All right, it is that time again, uh, TV fans. We are back in Adam after a bit of a long break due to uh, some personal circumstances, but... Uh, all kinds of stuff going on in our world, but we're all good. A lot of stuff happening uh, here at the Y-Shot JR compound, but uh, <clears throat> to sort of repurpose a, a Western phrase, we are back in the saddle. We are back in the saddle, and you know what? In our break, I forgot just how much I love that what? opening song. Oh, the French, the French thing? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's great. You, you got to love the French. Uh, Fries. They they never miss an opportunity to uh, uh, stick it to Americans however they can. So uh, uh, we discussed this at one of our very first episodes, but uh, check out the, the lyric translation to that song if uh, you ever have an interest. Because, um, um, well, they don't pull any punches when it comes to uh, <laughs> their hatred of all things uh, American. So, there you go. Um, so, we are back after a bit of a break. Uh, this is our patrons-only episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are discussing today Season 2, Episode 7, seven entitled Runaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the rare ones in these first few seasons in which Lucy is sort of put front and center. Um, as opposed to just being a background player. And you can kind of see why she was relegated to the background for the most part. (laughs) Because when she gets her front and center role... It just um, ain't good. It's a little bit of a shit show. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, bless her heart, she looks cute, but her acting chops really aren't the greatest and they don't give her a lot to do even in this episode other than be kind of the damsel in distress Yeah, for pretty much the whole running time. So true story. So, uh, let's get our, uh, news and notes, housekeeping stuff out of the way. This, uh, air date was October 27th of 1978. Um, big movies that are out right now. Of course, uh, we still got Halloween breaking all kinds of box office records, especially as a, uh, sort of a low-budget, almost independent uh, movie. I think it still holds some records. Maybe only uh, Blair Witch Project ever actually passed it in terms of its box office gross compared to its production budget. And like it made like something like a hundred times its production budget. That is back. crazy. Yeah, interesting um, fact for all of you fans out there but I only recently saw Halloween for the first time. Yeah, I've I've held her down and made her made her watch it a couple um, of times now. I have not seen Blair Witch Project though, however. You didn't catch that in theaters? Uh-uh. Not my thing, man. The whole horror genre jump kind of scare like a, stuff is just not my thing. That that sort of crossed over from being just kind of a a horror thing into being kind of like a kind of a zeitgeist yeah. Cultural. Well, thing. and I was you just went to see it because everybody. Went everybody to see it. I knew had seen it, but yeah. it was just. And you were not, a teenager. You were I was. Like, you were probably like 15, 16, right? It came out. Yeah, I don't remember it was what like year it came out. Two thousand, right around. So yeah, there. it would have been like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. But nope, nope, didn't go see it. No interest. Still don't have any interest. Are you going to make me watch it? I mean, 
for the most part, it's just pure atmosphere. Right. And that's the part, that's the stuff I don't like. Oh, okay. Like, I don't like that feeling of being on edge. What scary thing is about to happen. Like, I don't, I hate that sensation. Yeah. It makes you feel. Especially for something with that long of a duration, like a. Nervous through the whole thing. Roller coaster or something that makes you feel like that. Mm -hmm. But it's. It's like so short, you know, you're talking a couple minutes max, but to sit through that feeling, ugh, ick. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, if if that's not your thing, then probably Blair Witch isn't your thing. What I was going to say is it's not gory. Right. And the jump scares are kind of not there because they didn't really have the production budget to even have a villain. Right. So It's like a made-up villain. They're just reacting to, you know... Sound Things effects, we cannot see. The sound of wind in the trees and faint sort of ambient noise and whatnot. Yeah. And they're running around acting like crazy people in the woods uh, up until the very end. And then there's this kind of like sort of shocker ending that happens in a house. But it's not, I don't know, it's not, it's not really a, a horror movie. It's just sort of built on atmosphere. I mean, and that movie was made, I think, for like $100,000 or something. I mean, it's meant to be like, like a home, yeah, video. One, the rumor kind of was thing. that it actually like was a home video. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, that was the whole marketing ploy, which was genius. Like, yeah, it was the first movie that really took advantage of the internet and did yep. a kind of a whole viral promotional well, and marketing thing. They didn't have to. Um, they didn't have to rate it. Because there isn't gore, there isn't blood. I don't even know what Blair Witch Project is rated, but uh, yeah. it wouldn't. Thirteen or R, probably. I was gonna say it wouldn't have to be rated though, like a movie with a lot of gore that um, would eliminate part of the audience. Like you could pull in all those fifteen and sixteen year olds. Oh yeah, I remember seeing it in the theater without and that, that. That is yeah, but by, you weren't fifteen. <laughs> by far, one of the more. Well, what I was gonna say is it, the theater was completely packed. Uh, I'm. I believe, well, we had With sit, unaccompanied minors. We had to sit down and, you know, it was the tiered seating, the stadium style, but we had to go in the bottom because the top part was already full. And I hate sitting down there. And we were round on the side. Yeah. Where everything looks kind of distorted. When you're yeah. Looking, I mean, everybody's 50 feet tall and they look a little weird. <laughs> so I went up to use the bathroom about halfway through. And when I walked back into the theater, I remember I just stood in like the wings and watched like the last 30, 40 minutes of it yeah. just standing because the theater was that packed. But there were, what I was going to say was there were all kinds of kids there. Yeah, without adults. Yeah. yeah. There were like, you know, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, there were right. there were young children there. Anyway. Anywho, so... Uh, so <laughs> We digress. We've got Halloween. we got uh, The Wiz in theaters. Uh, a couple of movies coming up. Uh, Force 10 from Navarone. Kind of an old uh, kind of macho action movie. Uh, I believe World War II movie, or set in World War II, anyway. And um movie that's going to be coming out uh, right in the beginning of November, 78, called I Spit on Your Grave. You ever heard of I Spit on Your Grave? No. I think this got a remake. Some with, real hatred right there, though. Uh, within the last 10 years. Well, it is probably the first and certainly the most controversial female revenge flick in that the the woman at the beginning of it gets sort of horribly kind of gang raped. 
by a bunch of cretins. Ick. And then the whole rest of the movie is her plotting her extremely excruciating, awful uh, revenge deaths on all of them. Will you go, one. girl? <laughs> and in a um, world of like, one gets chopped up, I believe, with the propeller of a motorboat. Uh, well, just like, or is there's the castration scene? Uh, hearing it's that, really graphic. That plot makes me instantly think of a couple movies of recent. One, um, like the girl with the dragon tattoo, right? Right. Yep. That one. Yep. For like the more yeah. serious graphic, and then yeah, the other if, one is. If you want to see like the genesis of the girl with dragon tattoo that scene where she literally tattoos the dude yeah who has raped her it is uh, i spit on your grave yeah well and then um more recently promising young woman promising young woman yep yeah it's definitely makes that, me think in that, that mold although promising young woman has a lot more going on upstairs than i spit on your yeah. grave like intellectually and philosophically well and it's not heavy like even to be i mean it's not a horror movie it doesn't feel an exploitation movie. Yeah. Per se. It doesn't feel so heavy, but yeah. anyhow, and I recommend it. Promising young woman. Yeah. Great. We'll add that. Great movie. Uh, got nominated for best picture. Uh, the Academy Awards, I guess are going to, a little bit later this year. They're, they're going to be in like late April, which is crazy. Uh, I guess because of the COVID stuff and, uh, Hollywood's trying to figure out how they're going to do their, uh, live presentation. Right. With that, I think they're actually going to have some people there, uh, but they're just going to be all really spaced out. I think they're actually going to do it in like a train, like the big train depot or train station yeah, or something. I heard this. Weird. And they're going to be in like, <laughs> like people are still like, it's active. It's not closed for the events. Yeah, it's like, still going to be going on. You're going to show up to catch the train out of town <laughs> in the middle. I don't I don't know. We'll just have to see how all yeah, that works. Yeah, there's going to be tourists milling around in the background. While, I mean, uh, sounds kind of fun. <laughs> well, you know, Chris Rock's up on stage, you know, oh God. delivering the jokes. Barack Obama! <laughs> yeah, doing some Barack Obama. Uh, there's a thing. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, so I spit on your grave, um, one of the sort of all time sort of, uh, blood and guts, uh, disgusting exploitation movies came out, uh, right around now, right around the the time of this episode in 1978. Um, so, oh, uh, the number one song this week, we have finally, finally moved off of Exiles I Want to Kiss You All Over and you're going to miss it thank God for that and we are out of one creep fest straight into another with uh, Hot Child in the City running wild and looking pretty uh, as the new number one anthem in uh, these blessed United States this week in 1978 so we've talked about how like the presidency in the last four years really brought all the disgusting people out of the closet but maybe this is a reminder that they had only recently been forced into the shadows (laughs) (laughs) the pedophiles were allowed to run free and sing songs about pedophilia and all other sorts of gross things (laughs) in the 70s uh it was uh, a commonplace thing it was a theme uh, to kind of flirt with um, deviant 
behavior. We yes, say. right. Yeah. To sort of tread that line between, um, you know, sanctioned uh, and sexual activity between consensual adults and something uh, bordering on uh, rape of a minor. And, so, and there was like. It was all ripe with innuendo. Like nobody yes. directly well, says that's, anything. Right, it's all that's how you get the around symbolism. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh well it could just be about a, you know, a, a free spirit running wild in right. the city. Right. Of course. Right? I mean, it, you know. Yeah. There's always two, two ways. Child to, equals yeah. not a child but a free spirit. And yeah. uh speaking of the uh the uh the, the underage rape and innuendo stuff and uh everything that has been going on the past few years, there's now, I just came out today as of this, uh, our recording, this broadcast um, is uh, new accusations against Elaine Maxwell uh, for apparently conspiring with the late Jeffrey Epstein to, uh, they talk about spitting on, they raped a 26 year old female attorney and then trafficked her. And uh, basically, um, kind of blackmailed her into staying silent or extorted her. I don't, I'm never really sure what the terminology should be there. Wow. But basically saying that uh, Jeffrey had enough power to basically buy off all of law enforcement and, and uh, it would end up coming back to bite her if she ever said anything. But she has now come forward. And since uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is in heart. custody, uh, there are brand new charges being filed uh, for this alleged rape of a 26-year-old woman. Well, good. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. And uh, what a brave soul she is. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I'm glad she's finally doing it. I have do, my doubts as to whether anything substantial will ever happen with right. the Maxwell case. but. And we do have to talk about crossed. Dallas since this is a podcast about Dallas. But another side note kind of to add on that, and I don't know, um, just something... For all you listeners out there to ponder and consider, but it doesn't even really, for those kind of disgusting things to happen, it doesn't take a Jeffrey Epstein with a ton of money and a ton of connections. Um, right here in in our neck of the woods, there, there was an attorney who became a oh, judge, yeah, yeah. became judge. a family court judge. Family court judge yeah. And in our state, the way that works is the judge gets to appoint all these various attorneys to serve as like guardian ad litems and some other roles and stuff um, for the public. And so she was holding those roles for attorneys who were trying to make their way. And, you know, attorneys don't start out making a ton of money. It takes, it takes a long time. And depending on the kind of law you practice, I mean, there are plenty of attorneys that aren't super wealthy that are living pretty middle class. You have to go to certain niches, you know, corporate law, or you gotta, you know, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds Make of different ways to make tons of money as yes. an attorney, but not all of them are. And no. so especially when you're first starting out and you've been to school for a really long time and, you know, if you're like us and had student loans for that. And so anyhow, she would find these up and coming attorneys and then um, coerce them into providing sexual favors. Yeah, having uh, threesomes and yeah. all sorts of With her and her boyfriend, kinks. who used to be a pastor i believe if i'm remembering that correctly um and yeah and we personally 
knew one of the attorneys that um, was actually the whistleblower that came forward and and exposed the whole thing and knew this person personally had no idea this stuff was going on to like a young mom who's just trying to make a career and it's it's really impacted our area so I don't know like I guess the whole point in bringing that up is that you don't have to be we should all just be super vigilant as decent humans <laughs> when we see things happening and supportive yes. of of victims that are coming forward because it doesn't take a Jeffrey Epstein to ruin somebody's life. No, it's it's pervasive. I don't know if that's yeah. the right word, but it's it's it definitely happens everywhere. And it's not usually like the stranger in a dark alley. No. Those things happen occasionally, but that's not really. It's it's uh people who are in, in contact, people you you know, that know each other. Yeah. Um, and there's just a power uh, relationship there that uh, induces one to go along with the other for whatever reason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it can happen in all different kinds of contexts. I so. don't think this is like a, <laughs> I don't think this is a bad segue though into <laughs> right our episode as we're talking about poor little Lucy. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so this is another one of those um, the the poor benighted Ewings are constantly under siege um, mm-hmm. by by the riffraff. In a roundabout way, this is kind of an explanation as to why they want to impound themselves uh, out on the ranch together. Uh, yeah, because they can't live among ordinary people because they're completely vulnerable at all times yes. to <laughs> to potential rapes, abductions, hostage situations. We've already I mean, seen it's this scenario. Just, it's hard being a Ewing. So this is now the second, and there's going to be a third one, I believe before the second season is out, uh, in an, another situation, and I believe there's a kind of a political angle to that third one with where they're like an anarchist group or some nonsense, and I believe... <laughs> Bobby or Pam is uh, kidnapped and held hostage for ransom. Uh, but this one starts out, uh, this is a Lucy-focused episode. Again, it's called Runaway. Uh, we open up with, uh, of course. Swimming. We're swimming. Uh, just like we said, just like As I called it. As you do. They never miss an opportunity now to show these very attractive 70s people. That's right. And uh, with all the chest hair, various stages of of, uh, skimpy clothing. So we got Lucy swimming, everybody's out by the pool, having a good time, and we're planning Lucy's birthday. And Lucy, for the first time, has a guitar. And we're we're made to believe that for that uh, this whole time, I guess Lucy has been a kind of burgeoning musician. She's been holding out on us, basically. Even She's... though we've never seen her show the slightest bit interest in music or singing or anything related to the musical arts. Uh, now, all of a sudden, she's an aspiring country singer I, I don't know even though she doesn't really listen to country and she thinks it's kind of lame because she wants kind of a maybe she's more folk i don't yeah no, i don't what so you sure. mean like john denver kind of stuff i don't like, know what, josh i'm just trying well for her birthday party though like they're wanting to get like i guess 
the honky tonk country and western band, and or they're wanting to get like an old timey like Lawrence Welk kind of yeah. thing, kind of vibe, and she's completely rebelling against. So they're sitting that. there and they're planning this party, Miss Ellie and Sue Ellen, 